Hey, everybody, what's going on? This is your girl, Coco. I want to welcome you to another episode of Kiki and with Coco. If you are new to the show, let me tell you a little bit about it. It's about life in general with an emphasis on relationships. I have my friends, guests, or family come on the show, and we basically kiki about whatever the day's topic is. So today I have a previous guest who was here before, Dr. Patricia. She was here on the episode about soul ties, and the interview went so well, I just wanted to have her back to have this conversation that we're going to have today. So Dr. Patricia, if you'd just like to say hello and say a few words. Yes, thank you so much for allowing me to return back to your show. I listened to the episode. It was powerful. (laughs) (laughs) And I do want to tell a couple ladies said that they listened to your podcast and they started uh, following me on Instagram. So thank you. Yes, helping spread the message. And um, so what I do is I help women to really overcome deeply wounded, uh, deeply rooted beliefs that um, limit them from really reaching their goals, whether it be uh, relationship wise or in life. Okay, okay. Well, I'm happy to have you back. So welcome. And so we're going to go ahead and get into the word on the street this week. And so today is we're going to get a little history lesson. So if you guys don't know who Henrietta Lacks is, she was basically a woman, I believe, in the 50s who had cervical cancer. And the doctor who was working with her took some of those cells and basically started doing research. They started like cloning the cells and they ended up making like a lot of I'm well, I would say it's probably in a lot of um, immunizations that we receive. I know for certain that those cells were used to um, combat polio during that time, but they called them the HeLa cells, which basically took the first two letters of her first name and the first two letters of her last name. And that's what they called those cells. Um, What makes this story so significant is that They never asked for her consent to use those cells in that way. And of course, they have made millions and billions of dollars off of this. And her family is now filing a lawsuit against the biotech company who used those cells without her consent. And I definitely think they deserve some financial reparations from this situation, knowing that the medical community has been able to make so many things to help society and they haven't gotten anything from it. So, um, you know, what are your thoughts on this situation? I thought that was very interesting. I'm not sure if you are aware there is documentary on Netflix about uh, her story. And <clears throat> about a month ago, it popped up on my YouTube, uh, on my <laughs> Uh, Yahoo News, and I read the article. I I do agree that her family needs to be uh, 
compensated for really they stole something yes. from her and I and it benefited society so I do believe that her family needs to be compensated and the fact that um they had the audacity to use her initials you know yes. <laughs> to give her a little credit you know of, of where it came from I believe that they should be compensated for the pain, the anguish, everything mm -hmm. that they've had to go through um, for really stealing these sales. So yeah. they are, they need to be compensated. And so in reading up on this um, story, of course, because she was a tobacco farmer. So of course that lets you know that the family didn't come from wealth. They didn't come from money, probably not highly educated. You have doctors calling saying, you know, probably don't know nothing about sales. And they telling you, you know, we've been doing X, Y, Z with your, your um, loved one's sales. We would like for your children to come in and see if we can uh, replicate those sales, like those type of things and not even understanding, you know, what, what they're being asked. And so I definitely think, like you said, there's been some anguish and, you know, those types of like hurt feelings that come along with this situation. Oh, yes. Yes, yeah. definitely. And uh, even in today's society, anytime they go to do research, I don't know if you see these um, ads where they actually pay people to be their guinea pigs. Yeah. And even with COVID, uh, when they first started developing these shots and things, they were giving people money to uh, basically come in and be a guinea pig because they are uh, medical scientists. They are practicing science. Mm -hmm. So they need somebody to practice on. Right. <laughs> and of course, they're going to go and use the disenfranchised. Yes. Oh, you going to take, you going to give me some money for that? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, and not really understanding probably what their, um, asking of them because I know when I read um I think I had read a few articles asking people you know to sign up to be mm -hmm. test subjects for COVID and I was like so y'all gonna give them COVID and hope they come out on the other side I said oh no nah. ain't no amount of money <laughs> ain't no amount of money gonna let me let you pretty much kill me if this don't work out. Yes. And, and you know, in Atlanta, um, I was driving up there one day and they had a billboard, more than one on the expressway. Mm. So I'm sure uh, there were many people and they were giving at that time, I think it was about $500. So that's, that's a lot of money to somebody who doesn't have it. And, and you right. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's unfortunate. And I definitely think that the scientists or whoever the doctors were at that time exploited uh, Henrietta Lacks for, of course, scientific reasons, but in the same token, not giving her the um, option to say, yes, you can use my cells. No, you can't. Um, and that's why a lot of, like, I know some people, I've had family members that have agree to allow their bodies to be used for science after they they pass away and I think that's an, an amazing thing to do but to do it without someone's consent is definitely not okay 
No, I agree. I agree. Yeah. So if y'all didn't know about Henrietta Lacks, now you know. And Oprah actually did a movie um, about this story. So I would definitely say watch that or watch the documentary on Netflix just to become more familiar with the story. Um, I think it's something, a part of Black history that, of course, they don't teach or we're not taught at school. It's something that we learn along the way, but I definitely think it's a story that needs to be told and we need to know about it. Yes, definitely. Mm -hmm. And so next, I think... Um, as of recently, the California govern governor, I think he's put some pretty amazing bills into effect that a lot of the rest of the country should probably take heed and start doing some of these things as well. But the one thing I think that stood out to me that he has done as of late is that he signed a bill that requires schools and colleges to provide feminine products for free. So now, of course, we don't know everybody's financial situations. So I think that is an amazing thing for them to do for those people who may not be able to afford feminine products. And then, of course, like in school, I think it's an, a, a good thing or a good initiative to have because as young girls are learning their bodies, they may not know what day their cycle is going to come on or, you know, they may get caught without having anything on them. So it's like, OK, I can go to the bathroom and this is this will be available to me. Yes. Now, I think that's an awesome idea. And uh, when you say feminine products um, would birth control, is that part of it? No, I think it's just tampons and uh, sanitary napkins. Okay. Okay. Yes. Well, that's, that's great. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. I definitely <laughs> think birth control should be offered. But <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, you know, to every, everybody's stance on birth control is, is different. Mm -hmm. um, and speaking of that, I recently saw something basically saying some, I think a Philadelphia Democrat proposed the idea that there be a three three child maximum and then after the three children you get get your tubes tied or whatever something like that and I'm just like why why do y'all feel it's so important to to monitor and be in control of somebody's body that has nothing to do with you Right. Yeah, that's ludicrous because families, they can have however many children they want to have. <laughs> yeah. Now, I, I don't agree with it at all, but I can I want to say if something like that was to be imposed, maybe for people on welfare or getting mm -hmm. assistance who have been on it for a long time, maybe yeah. that be a requirement for them. But yeah. for people who are able to take care and sustain their own families, why would you try and cap them at how many children they can have as long as they can take care of them? Right. It's a form of control to mm -hmm. me. It definitely is. And I, I think it's unfortunate that, um, that anybody thinks it's okay to monitor or have control over someone else's body and not give them an opportunity just like abortion I know a lot of people don't want to talk about that 
but there are certain instances. I mean, I am pro-choice. I feel people should have the opportunity to decide what they want to do with their bodies. Mm-hmm. And if they, they know they don't want to have children, then who are you to tell this person, no, you got to be a parent now? What, right. if, what if they just know that their financial situation doesn't, doesn't accommodate for a child? You know, mm-hmm. everybody makes mistakes. And yeah. for someone to say, oh, you made a mistake. Now you got to live with these repercussions. If that person is not ready in any shape, form or fashion, mentally, physically, financially, why would you make them make them have a child? You know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So I definitely think that the um, California governor is on to something as far, like, I think it's a good start to saying that women's reproductive health is a priority. Yes, and not only that, um, I think at that age, at the the college age, even classes about um, feminine care should be uh, introduced into the school system because uh, there are young women who really, as you said earlier, they really don't keep up with the days. And some people, um, they have, these issues like fibroids and things like that. And, you know, they, they have heavy menstrual cycles and things like that. Mm-hmm. And to me, I believe that affects more minority women than it does other women. So yeah. those types of things have to be, uh, should be educated mm-hmm. to young women. And, you know, I've, I've heard a lot of black women say they have fibroids and I'm just like, what are fibroids? How do you know you have fibroids? Mm -hmm. No, those type of things. And, you know, it's not something that's talked about a lot. No, it's not. It really isn't. And that's why I'm big on when colleges and universities introduce things to young women. I'm big on supporting it, but where do you go from there? So it's good that you're providing these products, but where is the education? So mm-hmm. they need to be educated because like you said, I was I was good and old when I started learning about <laughs> fibroids and, and how it affects your body. And I'm telling you, it's, those are conversations that need to be held to me in college. Definitely, definitely. I feel like you shouldn't just be a medical student learning about these types of things. I definitely think it's something that every like everybody is. I think when you go to college, you there are the prerequisites you have to take, and a science class is one of those prerequisites. Mm-hmm. I think that science class should encompass something about an like maybe anatomy or mm-hmm. something along those lines should be the mandated courses to take to help people understand and not just taking like a earth science or something like that because everybody don't deal with plants and earth and all <laughs> of that but people do deal with the body everybody right. Yes, yes. And I and the school systems to me lack in life skills mm-hmm. to me. Definitely. So you're providing the products. Now tell me more about even now there are campaigns as far as these products and how they um 
some of them are poisoning ladies' bodies. Mm -hmm. And so there's a brand of uh, tampons now, I can't think of the name of it, um, but they are really going out strong and letting people know what's in these tampons and how they are affecting uh, women's cycles and their bodies, the long-term effects. Yes. And so I think now you provide the product, add the education in along with it. Definitely. And that's something I will say I commend social media for, because I feel like it allow, it's allowing for um, it's allowing for people to have a voice and have these conversations to put this information out there, because honestly, I feel like if it wasn't for um, social media, there would be a lot of things that we wouldn't know at this day and age because it's not something that they're advertising. Of course, the big companies are not advertising what toxicity their products are providing, you right. know, and unless you're doing like research for school, mm -hmm. it's not something you're going to know either. So right. I definitely am appreciative that we have these avenues and people out there who are speaking about these types of things. I just saw Mary J. Blige post and say that she didn't learn about mammograms until she was 40. And I mean, I've heard of a mammogram. I know mm -hmm. what a mammogram does. But just being honest, I've not had no doctor be like, talk to me about mammograms or ask me, have I gotten a mammogram or suggest I get a mammogram because it's not something they typically, um, I think, require you to do until you're 40. Prior to, unless you have an issue where you feel there are lumps in your breast, no doctor is talking to you about a mammogram. That's true. And you know what? Uh, once again, that's another uh, thing that really plagues the uh, African-American community relating to women, because I know I have a history in my mother's side of the family of women who get breast cancer and succumb to it. Yeah. So my mother and both her sisters, the youngest one, she uh, got cancer in her 40s and she died when she was 45. And mm -hmm. like you said, when I was in my 30s, I became aware of breast cancer. And so well, actually in my 20s, but I literally had to force my doctor to sign a paper for me to go and get my uh, a, to have a mammogram because mm -hmm. at the age of 32 she was like well you you're too young and I'm telling her but I'm I'm hearing that if it runs in your family you can start early now right. I'm telling the doctor something she should be telling me exactly. and so she did sign the paper and now this was years ago she did sign the paper uh, that allowed me to go to the specialist to have a mammogram. And mm -hmm. so uh, short story, long story short, I ended up changing doctors because I'm like, now how you go not want to allow me to go and get this mammogram? Mm -hmm. And so I did have it done. And thankfully, you know, it came back negative. And yeah. so every year, I start now every two years after 32, I started getting them. And then at 40, I started annually. Mm -hmm. And so now a lot of people don't even know that there is a test if it runs in your family that can be, you can take this test and it shows your uh, risk rate. Yeah. Okay. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good to know. So for y'all out there who didn't know about, you know, mammograms, I would definitely suggest if you know it runs in your breast cancer runs in your family, that that's something that you start early prevention on. That way, if you do possibly have something going on, you can find out in the early stages and possibly become a survivor and prevent it. Yes, yes, because uh, I believe if they catch it in stage one, then your uh, survival rate is much higher. Yes, definitely. So I I think California is on to something, but as you mentioned, definitely put an education piece around it um, about what these products are, how to use them, because sex ed, it just tell you at this age, between these ages, you and your child rearing years, you get a cycle and it come every month. Some people don't, you know, but they don't tell you why it don't come every month. If, if mm-hmm. there are reasons why you don't get a cycle every month, they just say some, some get them every month, some don't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yes. But I definitely think an education piece needs to happen along with these products being provided. And then also, I think just as a whole, women, we need to learn more about our bodies um, yes. in order to understand what's going on with us. Because as we get older, we're more susceptible to things. Um, whether it be something that runs in your family or not, these are things that we should, some things we should be aware of. Right. And, you know, I do want to say something as far as the government. A lot of times people say, well, the government always overstepping their bounds. But we have to remember that they have a lot of statistical data and they, they are using that data a lot of times to help out the uh, greater to help out a population that many of us may not be aware of. Mm -hmm. And so in order for them to pass this law, they had to look at some statistical data to put this together and say, this group of people are not having the things they need. Mm -hmm. So they passed these laws for maybe a, a small population, but it benefits a lot of people. Large, yeah. And so a lot of times we think, well, who, who needs that? You know, somebody does. Somebody yeah. can't afford it. And that's why I'm, I'm saying about the education. Yes, providing the products is awesome. But we need education because believe it or not, there is some young woman growing up who is not getting the information she needs to have. And when she gets to college, the wrong person gonna give it to her. Yeah, definitely. Yes. So I think that would we definitely started this conversation off uh heavy, but <laughs> but I definitely think it's information that needed to be to be given. So yes. you know, take your health, whether you are male or female, take your health important learn about your family history and and the thing the ailments that they have because you can start that prevention early on um that that's the takeaway I get from from this part of the conversation is just you know try and learn and I know everybody don't have access to their immediate family or whatever but I know um I just saw I think 23 and me it is Mm -hmm. um 
you can submit your DNA there and they can tell you things that you like ailments your family may have if you don't have access to your immediate loved ones to give you that information. So I would definitely suggest looking into that for yourself just to see what things may may be a possibility for you and you can try and get ahead of it. Mm -hmm. So now that we got the word on the street out the way, let's go ahead and get into the hot cup of cocoa. So this week's hot cup of cocoa, I of course, the show is primarily about relationships. I know a lot of people who listen to this show are married. They aspire to be married. And so I wanted Dr. Patricia to come on the show and talk to us about what it takes to stay married because we can all get married and we have our ideas of what marriage are, but how do we make it last? So um, if you want to just go ahead and just tell, I know you say you speak to women um, to help them realize their, their dreams, aspirations, and things like that. So you're a life coach, correct? And relationship. I really focus on relationships. Yes. Okay. And you've been married for how long? 32 wonderful years. Oh, 32 years. <laughs> so, um, you know, in the in your day to day job, do you find yourself practicing the things you're teaching your clients? Yes. In my day to day living, I, mm-hmm. I do. Um, and that's how I'm able to be where I am. I, I practice what I preach, really. Um, Yes, I really do. (laughs) (laughs) So prior to um, getting the education behind what your career is, like what types of things did y'all do prior to you having this knowledge? What what did y'all do to get y'all through rough patches? Okay. In my book, I have a book coming out, um, Turn Your Love Around a relationship blueprint for wounded hearts. In that book, I talk about having a marriage mentor. Mm -hmm. And I actually had two women that I would always go to when my husband and I were not really seeing eye to eye. The great thing about these two women is they had two different perspectives. One, one of the women, she had been married to her only husband at that point for 25 years. Mm-hmm. Now they've been married 60 years. Okay. Yes. So I would go to her. That's wisdom. Mm-hmm. Now the other woman I entrusted with things that were going on, she had a perspective from being divorced and remarried. Mm -hmm. So she had experienced uh, what a toxic relationship was. And then, and and at that time, she was married to a, a wonderful man. So they gave me two different perspectives mm-hmm. and using their wisdom, helped me to really uh, channel through our challenges that we face Mm -hmm. because it's easy to throw in the towel. Mm -hmm. 
But a lot of people nowadays, they really don't understand the purpose of marriage. A lot of people get, ma uh, get married with information. They have the know-how, but they have a lot of times they lack understanding. And so in to have a successful marriage where it is thriving over time and you are not just surviving the times, mm -hmm. it takes patience and understanding to really uh, have a successful, long, loving marriage. I'm glad you brought up like having those um people in your life that you could go to and, and talk to you and help you through your challenges. Um, I remember when I was married, uh, my ex-husband, he was communicating with, uh, with another woman. And I said, well, what do y'all talk about? And he said, about you. I said, well, why are you talking to her about me? Mm -hmm. He said, I knew you was going to get, I knew you was going to get mad, but it's just like you talking to your friends about me. I said, no, there is a difference. I'm talking mm -hmm. to my married friends about you. I said, my married friends are probably talking me off the ledge from mm -hmm. coming home and slapping you some days. That's, mm -hmm. that's what my friends are doing. Mm -hmm. I said, what this person is doing is not the same. So you can't say it's just like you talking to your friends about me because my friends care about our relationship you yes. know and I had like married friends that were my age and then I had married friends that were older and so and it wasn't like I was talking to all my friends it was just the ones that I trusted to have those types of conversations with but I definitely think it's important for both parties mm -hmm. to have um married friends aside from single friends because I don't think you can trust your single friends with all your married business because right. they don't understand mm -hmm. the, they don't understand the dynamic of what being married is and like you said you might have the the know-how but you don't necessarily like logically speaking a lot of things you can just say, well, nah, that don't sound right. You shouldn't be doing that X, Y, Z. But when you're married, there are things that are not logical. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's just like some marriage takes a little bit more care and yeah. effort and time. And like you said, patience, mm -hmm. you know, in order to have a, like have a productive and successful marriage. Yes. And, and I want to add on, you know, when you say um, <clears throat> you talked with other married people, mm -hmm. one thing uh, there are that I found to see, I know men, married men, who will talk to their mother about their wife. That's out of order. Yeah, that's not okay. And so... I had a situation where the, somebody I knew, the mother, I knew the mother and her married son who was in his thirties was bringing her information about his wife. And I happened to be at the house this particular day. It was meant for me to be there. Yeah. And so when he left, I, I was like, that was not right. You do not counsel 
your married son about his wife. First of all, you don't even have the whole story. Mm -hmm. If you counsel, let both of them come to you. But mm -hmm. you don't just take sides to me. Yeah. Because that's what she did. She took his side and she was like, blah, blah, blah. And so, no, that's why, to me, a lot of marriages are failing because you, they're seeking information from people they should not be seeking advice from. Mm -hmm. They're getting information. And that's the thing. We have a lot of information today, but mm -hmm. having the information is not guaranteeing that one, you're going to use it and then it's going to meet your need. So when I said I had these marriage mentors, these women really had some wisdom. It's a difference between knowledge and wisdom. Mm -hmm. Knowledge is you can go to college and get some knowledge, but wisdom comes from experience. Right. So I, I spoke with these women because they had wisdom and they brought two different perspectives. So when I would share something with the one who had been divorced, but was now in this wonderful marriage, she answered me from uh, what she had experienced in the divorce she went through. Mm -hmm. So I was able to gain uh, all of this great wisdom mm -hmm. and not just knowledge because a lot of people know how to do something. That's knowledge when you know how to do it. Mm -hmm. But see, the understanding comes when you go beyond that know-how and you put it into practice. Right. Definitely. I, I definitely agree. Um, and I think that when people, when you talk about wisdom and knowledge, like, like you said, wisdom's come, wisdom comes from that experience. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I would rather talk to someone who has experienced what mm -hmm. I'm going through versus just talking to someone who ain't never been married, don't mm -hmm. know what it's like to go through a divorce or, you know, to, to give you those words to, to encourage you to work it out. Cause sometimes your single friends and not to say your single, you can't have single friends if you married, but they don't understand what you going through, you know? Yes. So you can't go to them asking them advice on what you think I should do when they ain't never been in that situation. Yes. And uh, on my, <laughs> on my, one of my, my personal Facebook page, um, there's a lady and she's a marriage counselor, but she's single. And so one day I posted, I said, how can you help marry people when you're single? And she's like, but they take my advice. That's not my question. What are you giving them that uh, you're giving them theory? So mm -hmm. once you move beyond the theory, then what? Yeah. We need some practical advice, yeah. things that can help us in reality. So mm -hmm. theory is just what you learned. Yeah. I can Google some stuff <laughs> and learn it, but <laughs> the what you need is practical <laughs> what's practical so yes. that we can put it into practice yes and that she she didn't understand and she's like my married friends girl hush 
And then the idea of the guy going to his mother with whatever grievance was, Mm -hmm. I think it's like, I can understand going to your parent, like for advice, but then in the same token, what type of relationship does your spouse have with your family? Right. Because your mother's sitting over here taking sides with you, not knowing the entire situation. Because, of course, you only going to say the part that make you look good. So it's just like now you putting a sour taste in your family's, you know, mouth about your spouse. And now Mm -hmm. when your spouse come around, they looking at them funny like. "Mm." Yes, yes. (laughs) And that's what we do as people. It's human nature. We want to go to the person who's going to make us feel good. Mm-hmm. Not to the person who's going to tell us the truth. Yeah. Uh, go home. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you this story. Uh, about two, maybe three years into my marriage, uh, my husband and I, we had an argument. And I was so upset. I called my mother and I was like, come get me. I am so tired. Come get me. My brother, my oldest brother who was married, he picked up the phone or I don't know if he took it from my mother or what, or she handed it to him. I don't know how it went down. Mm. He said, whatever it is, ain't nobody coming to get you. You married, work it out. (laughs) (laughs) That was like the best thing that could have ever happened because it taught me that marriage is it's not easy. And see, there's a scripture in the Bible that, that says the two shall become one. Yeah. So when you're becoming, that word means it's a process. It doesn't happen overnight. Mm-hmm. Becoming all, all while we are in this relationship, we're becoming one. So now we're at the point after these years, I can just be sitting thinking about him and he'll call me (laughs) (laughs) where years ago it wasn't like that (laughs) because we were becoming one right so what do you what are your thoughts on separation in a marriage do you think that people can successfully separate for whatever reason and come back together I do believe that people can separate and come back together but that has to be their focus. We are going to separate, go our separate ways for a moment, but our goal is to come back together. Mm -hmm. So if the wife, if she's thinking, well, we're going to come back together, but yet the husband over here doing his own thing while they separated, (laughs) it's not going to work. Another scripture, you know me, I'm I'm with the word. (laughs) So how can two walk together unless they agree? Mm -hmm. If we agree to separate, but the goal of the separation is for us to come back together, then we have to agree on that. Mm -hmm. But it's it's not going to work if I'm holding up my end of the agreement when you didn't just let your end flop because- Uh, big booty Sally over here then caught your attention. <laughs> look, men, that's another podcast. <laughs> we are not easily distracted mm-hmm. as women. We are not easily distracted. Right. Yeah, I, I can agree. I think uh, once a woman puts her mind to something, 
for whatever reason, she may want to separate or agree to separate. I think it's because she genuinely wants that time to Mm -hmm. either work on whatever her issue is in this situation or, you know, y'all just both need that time apart. And I think in that time is when you really need to focus on yourself and making yourself right to come back together. Um, And like you said, that doesn't mean because we separated, like if we have agreed to separate and come back together at a point, that don't mean that's that's your hall pass to go do what you want. You know, that means genuinely work on the issue. Yes, yes, exactly. And it takes a strong person to admit that they have an issue mm-hmm. because uh, there are people in the marriage and that's, there's this old song that said, it takes two to make a thing go right. Mm-hmm. And it, them same two, it takes them same two to make it go wrong. So it's two people in a marriage and both, both of those two people <laughs> can either make it go right or make it go wrong. So yeah. it, it's two. It's never one person in the marriage. It's always two. Mm-hmm. So I know we kind of talked about like having married influences within your relationship to, to help guide you through the process. Besides negative outside influences, what else do you think is the reason why divorce rates are possibly so high? Uh, Well, statistically speaking, it's money, it's finances. Mm -hmm. Um, I see a lot of that on social media. Should we have one bank account? Should we have two bank accounts? So statistically speaking, money is the number one reason that couples are divorcing today because they can't agree on something so simple as should we have one bank account or two bank accounts? <laughs> but uh, studies have shown that it's finances. And a lot of times that's how, you know, that money, who is something. This mom, I, I went to work to earn this pay. <laughs> so people fight over that. <laughs> I was just talking to somebody at work the other day like you know I I would probably do a prenup the next time I get married because I'm just like you know I got a house now Mm -hmm. I don't don't want you to take my house if Mm -hmm. far ways like that's my house yes my name is on that deed like that's mine I want to keep that and I know when you are, I think when you've been married for 10 plus years and get a divorce, that person is entitled to your retirement. Yep. Pay. That's true. Now, that's true. not what I with that work. Not one cent of this, this retirement <laughs> paycheck. It ain't that much as is. So you ain't getting mm-hmm. like and I, I get it. Like as a as a unit, these are things that you share with each other. Now, in the event something happens to me. Yes, you can have my house. We still together. Like we use this as an investment property or this is the home we live in. Yes, this this is yours. If something yeah. happens to me, this is yours. My retirement pay, like the military, you can leave your retirement pay to your spouse. I would do that for my spouse. But for us to part ways and you think you're going to get these things, like, no, no, no. 
Yes, yes. And I I, I hear what you're saying because I had a, a young lady about last year, uh, maybe 2019, and that was something that she and I worked worked able to work through with her. Um, she was rather well, she had established herself really well. Mm-hmm. And um, she had her own home and just a bunch of other things. And so she had met this man and um, he had some things too, but he wasn't uh, financially stable, as financially stable as she was. Mm-hmm. And her thing was the a prenup. And it's really, that has nothing to do with love. Really, Mm -hmm. it has to do with uh, where you are in life. And so if you feel that's what you need to really make sure that you're not just being taken advantage of, then put it in place. People Mm -hmm. think that only really wealthy people do those types of things. But no, if you come to the table with a million dollars, and somebody else come to the table with a hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> I have nine hundred more thousand dollars, right? And so uh, that's why folks getting divorced. Mm-hmm. Studies show that money finances is still the number one reason for divorce. Mm-hmm. So these are conversations that couples should have before right. they get married, and mm-hmm. not after they get yeah. married. Definitely. I definitely agree that these are conversations to be had. I think that um, the whole bank account situation that is definitely a conversation to be had Um, just because everybody. And then I also think that when you think about being married, like, of course, you want to look to other couples who are married, but then in the same token, you can't compare what one couple does in their relationship to what you and your person does in y'all's relationships because it's different. You know, just because these this couple over here shares all their money doesn't mean that you and your spouse going to share all their money. You right. know, um so that's one thing like when people be saying like couple goals, you know, whatever. Like would I aspire to be married as long as some people have been married? Yes, I do. <laughs> But would I call them a goal or, you know, something of that nature? Not necessarily, because I don't know what they went through to to get them to that point. You know, I don't know if I could handle what that person had been through to Mm -hmm. say, I would stay with my spouse if they did the same thing somebody else's spouse did, you know? Right. Yes. And see... I I really believe it comes down to agreements, different Mm -hmm. agreements. So maybe the first five years, let's agree to have separate bank accounts just because I know the type of person I am when it comes to handling money. So Mm -hmm. I want to handle, it's not anything to do with trust. Yes, I trust you, but can we agree for maybe the first three years of our marriage that uh, we're going to have separate bank accounts. And then let's come back to the table and review this agreement. Mm. So it's all about agreement. So, but the thing about it, we don't have these kind of conversations before we get married. We just jump in. Oh, I love you. But as Tina Turner said, what love got to do with it? And guess what? That's what my marriage mentor used to say all the time. 
What's love got to do with it? Love can't pay no bills. Love, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So it's not about love. It's about having these agreements, being clear about what you want in the marriage, what you want from the marriage. I'm not going to be up all night <laughs> sweating over the light bill getting paid and you over here <laughs> snoring. Snoring. <laughs> we need to have a good understanding. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I, I definitely think... Um, I saw somebody post a relationship coach post that um, it's not well, of, of course, it's not just communication. You have to know that the person is understanding what y'all communicating. But I do think that communication is a big factor in a lot of the issues that we have, because like you said, did we talk about this prior to us getting married? You mm -hmm. know, I know a lot of these things we're talking about right now. Me and my ex-husband did not talk about these things until after we was married. And then both of us was looking crazy. Like, yeah. why you want this and why you don't want this? And mm -hmm. we were just looking crazy. <laughs> and, you know, that is why I really try to reach single women, because there are uh, conversations that should be had that are not being had. Mm -hmm. And one thing about us as women... A lot of us are afraid to say what our needs are in a relationship. I have a woman, um, she's dating now. Uh, she's been divorced for like over 10 years, but she met this man. And so uh, she's like, I want this, I want that, but he doesn't, he's not meeting my needs. And my question was, do he even know your needs? Of course he don't. Because you haven't expressed your needs because you want this relationship, but you don't want you don't want to mess it up or disturb the relationship by introducing your needs. Mm -hmm. And so if you don't introduce what you need in the relationship, you're not going to get it. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Um, closed mouth do not get fed. No. <laughs> <laughs> Or a back rub or a foot rub. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. Like, you're just not going to get the desired effect that you want if you don't yeah. have these conversations. Yes. Um, and, and see, the thing about it, men have no problem expressing what they need. But as women, we do. Because mm -hmm. we are not taught how to express our needs mm -hmm. yep because I know growing up it was all about you got to keep a clean house you got mm -hmm. you got yes. food on the table you know all of this and that but never it was always like a in so many words like cater to him yes not be not in return he not You're right exactly exactly and that's why I talk about enlightened relationship if I'm going out here, going to work, helping to uh, meet the needs of this household. Uh, brother, man, we need some equilibrium around here. <laughs> I know that's right. <laughs> but yes, that, that's how it used to be. And that's why a lot of people just get divorced. Uh-uh, no. Mm -hmm. All this is on, it shouldn't be on one person's shoulder because it's two people in the marriage. 
Exactly. Definitely. Yeah. I think, you know, you definitely dropped some, some good gems, you know, have you some, some marriage mentors. And I think it's good to have like together marriage. Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, marriage mentors because just you going and talking to somebody about mm-hmm. things y'all are going through and you sitting over here left to your own devices like these are things we should be doing together as well mm-hmm. yes yes going to the same couple mm-hmm. <laughs> so you're not she's not getting information and then it, you see the the same couple the same husband and wife and when you are together when the couple is together getting the same information you both in the same room it's going in both your ears mm-hmm. instead of he over here he getting advice from this person and she's over here go together so yeah. he can't tell a lie when you in the room she can't <laughs> tell a lie when you in the room <laughs> yes right <laughs> Yes. So we all gonna paint the same picture. Yep. And in that way, you know, you both on the same page as to how you want to fix the issue. Exactly. Trying to get this person on the same page with you. (laughs) It's like y'all left that room. Y'all received the same information. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, how are we gonna implement this? Yes. Exactly. And that's the goal. What is the goal? <laughs> yes, it's it's definitely a teamwork, a team effort. And it's something that you work at every day because you don't just wake up today and you don't just wake up one day and be like, OK, I'm going to love this person. I'm going to do what it takes like this. You have to do it every day. Yes, um, I saw this post that said. Love is worth fighting for, mm-hmm. but it's not worth if it's only one person fighting. Yes. So it's worth it when both people are fighting for, it. Mm-hmm. but it's not when it's only one person doing the fighting. Definitely. Definitely. Yep. I, I am in total agreement. So I think. This is going to wrap it up for the hot cup of cocoa. I did say I was implementing a new segment called questions with cocoa versus ask cocoa because I wasn't getting no participation. But (laughs) questions with cocoa works as I will ask questions on my social media platform and then I will take those responses and talk about them in the show. And so the question I asked this week was, how do you, do you need prayer to be a key component in your relationship? And I got a lot, very little no's, but a lot of yeses. And I definitely think if you are a, if you, if you and your spouse believe in God, God should definitely be a part of your marriage. And with that component of him being in your marriage, like you need to pray together. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and so my thoughts on, you know, just prayer being a part of your relationship is that, you know, we say God is the head of our life and then it's the husband and, you know, so forth and so on. And I think having a spouse 
like as a woman choosing a spouse who can lead me, I definitely need to know like God is in his life and that's who, you know, he goes to for, you know, to for his questions, to for help, you know, I need to know that that's a part of his life. So prayer for me is important. Definitely prayer. But but you know, you said if you believe in God, see, people have made prayer a religious activity, but mm -hmm. prayer is not a religious activity. I know a couple who he's a Muslim and she's a Christian mm -hmm. and they've been happily married for over 20 years. How did they make it work? Because their belief systems are different. Mm -hmm. But yet he prays and she prays mm -hmm. and they are still together. We, a lot of people grow up believing that prayer is a religious activity. It's not. We can pray. We should be praying and we should ask God to allow us to meet somebody whose belief system is the same as ours. Mm -hmm. So my husband and I believe in God. Mm -hmm. We pray, we pray together. I do believe he's the head of our house. But the thing about it is uh, people feel, and, and here it goes again, the word agreement. How can two walk together unless they agree? This couple has agreed to love each other in spite of their different belief systems. Mm -hmm. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. So we focus on, things that are minimal when love agreement is the big picture. So I can have a loving relationship with a man who his belief system may not be the same as mine, but he is praying. Mm -hmm. But see, the thing about it, it, it's a deep conversation because it's in the word that if this man loves his wife, who is a believer, her prayers, mm -hmm. do you see what I'm saying? Yes. So, um, yes, prayer is vital. But the thing about it, we have to pray. It's my prayers, the, the effectual, fervent prayers of a righteous person. He didn't say if, that, if the man had to be righteous or the woman had to be righteous. Mm -hmm. It said the effectual fervent prayers of a righteous person, person, yeah. one person in that marriage. Yeah, okay. Prayers is important. So, so you're saying that as long as one person praying or mm -hmm. you both gotta be praying? What, somebody, is, somebody gotta be praying. Somebody got to be praying. There's a story in the Bible. Um, girl, it's a deep conversation. <laughs> it's a deep conversation. I'm telling you, mm -hmm. religion has messed up a lot of people's minds. It mm -hmm. has. <laughs> yes. and, and I'm speaking, I'm a pastor wife. Religion had my mind messed up. <laughs> mm -hmm. But I'm telling you, when God show you, when he wants you to see some things, in the word, he'll pull it out and make it so clear to you. Yeah. And like I, I use that, that couple as an example because I know that their marriage is working. Mm -hmm. And this righteous person in this marriage is reaching heaven on behalf of this marriage. 
because we have to remember that marriage was instituted by God. The first institution in the Bible is marriage. Mm -hmm. It's a um, it's a deep conversation. Yes, yes, prayer is vital in a marriage. Okay. But technically, only one person has to be praying. Uh, that righteous person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So then I still stand in saying that prayer is important in my relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, do I think it's something that has to be done every day together? No. I do think that we can both pray individually, but mm-hmm. then there are times where we need to come together and pray together. Yes. And there's again, that word agreement. Yes. <laughs> the prayer of agreement. Yeah. <laughs> and see, one thing about women is um, they can miss a good man because he don't pray like they want him to pray. Mm. He ain't praying four and five times a day and she know good and well she ain't praying four and five times a day (laughs) she looking for that man to lead her to it (laughs) yes 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 Mm -mm. yeah and that and that's another thing like you can't look for someone to bring you closer to God or look to someone to make you happy or mm-hmm. you know these are all things that you have to do on your own yes and hopefully that person that you are with is equally yoked and y'all mm-hmm. are doing the same things yes that's right mm-hmm. yes so you know that is going to wrap it up for questions with Coco I'll definitely be asking questions throughout the week to talk about during the seg- during the recording. So y'all participate in my polls when I'm doing the polls because I'm using this information. But, you know, I want to thank you, Dr. Patricia, for coming on the show again. And then do you have any final words? Oh, I enjoy uh, your conversations. It's awesome, awesome dialogue. And I appreciate you for uh, inviting me back on the show and I love when I go and listen to it it's just even that much more powerful so I'm gonna start um participating in your (laughs) 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 but yes I, I definitely appreciate you coming on the show I was you know thinking about who would I have come on this show that I think would give like give valid information to and that people would receive it. And I definitely think that you being married for as long as you have and just the conversations that we have, that you would be the person to, to give that word. So thank you. Thank you. Yes. Yes. Thank you. So um, you want to let people know where they can follow you at on social media? Yes, on Instagram, I am the Soul Ties Coach. On LinkedIn, um, Patricia Shaw. Uh, Facebook, I have um, a nonprofit, Women of Excellence, and I do post on that page as well. Okay. So, you know, thank you again for coming on the show. Y'all can follow me on social media at Kiking with Coco. That is on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Facebook, all of the socials. You can find me at that name, you know, and until next time, bye.